Welcome to Seers, Beers, Knowers, and Doers, a podcast about intuition. Do you know what that is? Intuition to me is that inner sense for knowing that something is true, and yet I have no proof. But there's so many definitions, and there's so many ways it can come. I'm looking to bring together and share with you some amazing guests who have some amazing life stories and also some insights into how intuition can come. And I'm looking to gather those crows in the trees. I hope you're one of them. I hope that this podcast inspires you to be more connected to your intuition. And I hope that by doing that, we make the world a better place. Thanks for coming on this journey with me. Before we get started today, I would love to share some tools with you to help with stress and feeling overwhelmed, especially for the energetically sensitive person. Feel free to go to my store on my website at www.healingvitality.ca. Thanks so much for coming on this journey with me. So today I'm super excited to reconnect with somebody that I, well, kind of spontaneously met again through social media and actually got to know her better by spending a whole Saturday in her course. And she said yes to my podcast, which I'm very excited about because just through spending six hours with her on a Saturday, I'm like, oh my gosh, the stories you have. So Nicole Gauthier, thank you so much for saying yes. I really appreciate it. Uh, It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So would you mind telling us more about yourself? Not at all. Um, I'm in Quebec. I started in horses 20 years ago from the bottom up, definitely doing stalls and feeding horses and turning them out. And over 20 years, I gained a lot of experience replacing staff and helping with vacations and got to see all different types of barns, uh, commercial barns or private little barns. There's the same problem happening all over my area and probably lots of places I had assumed which was horses get injured they cost a lot of money when you want to have first aid or the vet comes out and all of these things are a learning process that people are going through very slowly and me too it took me years to learn the things I learned that maybe if someone took the time to sit with me and teach me right away I could have saved more horses helped more people and that's kind of where I got started is just looking after people's horses for them and uh, realizing that there's a a need for equine first aid. Well, and that was the course I took from you. And you've got three levels. And I took the first level. And I was, everybody on the podcast, if they've listened before, knows how green I am. I'm like two years in. And when I saw that there was actually a first aid course specific for horses, I was like, okay, this is going to be good because it's going to fill in holes and what ifs. And and give me kind of a sense of a little bit more proactive, solid ground, or even what the potentials of things that can go wrong and what the signs are. So I really found it to be user-friendly for someone who doesn't necessarily know a lot, but I'm assuming based on your audience, you can, you'll have different conversations with different people as you walk through, but there's probably a good practice of just going through all the basics to make, because not everybody's had the same experiences with horses too, right? The experience range in my classes can be someone who's never touched a horse, who's just getting started. Uh, They're interested in riding 
and taking lessons. Uh, and it could be somebody who's been in the industry for 30 years. Um, it's always a different direction. So you try to find out what you can about the person and where they're at with horses and give as much as you can to help them. So whether it's feeding mistakes that are common across Canada, um, you know, one small feeding mistake could cost a horse its life. And there's some places that it's evaded them. A mistake never happened to them, so they just didn't know about it. So there's always a chance to share information, even with very experienced people. And of course, there's a huge need when you get into looking after horses. Uh, like what you mentioned, Heather, you, you sensed that the horse is a delicate animal and there are lots of opportunities to look after horses, uh, you know, a type of job where it's very hard work. So there's a big turnover and accepting people who have never worked with horses before is common ground. So someone like you who's, you know, feeling that, well, I want to take this responsibility further. Uh, they're interested in my class and they want to get as much as they can uh, in a short amount of time, four hours, uh, to dump as much knowledge as I can. Uh, accidents I've seen or mistakes that I've, I've encountered. Uh, different owners have lots of stories they shared. And so just one little story could make a difference. And if you said it made a difference for you in any way, I, even one little thing is, is it's my mission, just to help in any way that I can make your experience easier than having to, you don't need to spend 20 years to learn how to feed horses. It's something that someone can pass on to you and it's going to help you right now. So why don't we have a course like this is what, what I, occurred to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is why I, I think I definitely have saved some horses lives just by giving people preventative knowledge. And that's, that's really important to me. So if I can uh, just share simple stuff that, anybody can share easily too. Uh, you, you mentioned user-friendly. Uh, that really to me is important is to start as user-friendly as I can and then advance because uh, I want it to travel easily. I don't want it to become a complicated science, uh, which it can be. There's books and books and seminars we could go to to go into deep issues uh you know veterinary issues but i think most horse owners they just want to know the basics to keep their animals safe uh, like a parent would with their kid mm -hmm. they want to know the basics of how to stop them from choking and uh, maybe a little bit of cpr and you want to know the basics so that you could look after your 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 child and i think that's how horse owners look at it with my my courses, they think, well, if I can know some simple stuff without having to pass a degree in it, right, <laughs> then, right. I'm, then I'm interested. And right. the stakeholder is the horses for me. I, I want to keep people safe too. But for me, if I could help those horses that can't speak for themselves, uh, that's my goal. Mm -hmm. Well, and when you mentioned just then that the idea came to me, <laughs> I was like, yes, how did that idea come? Tell us about how you went from working in all these different barns to, no, we're actually going to make a business of doing equine first aid. Like, that's a leap that, like, not everybody makes that leap. Like, people, there's so many different avenues you could take. What was the process or what? how did it come to you? Can you explain that? 
I guess I go against what normally the the river flow of uh, equestrian world is to go riding competition and advance through the years getting ribbons and I definitely did my share of riding uh, but I really found myself to be a person on the ground safety on the ground was where that's my main thing was making sure that you're walking the right way with your horse and you're not about to get trampled. And I could turn my head and look the other way and just let that accident happen or I could go over and help you. So I started doing it for free, just going up to people or young people at the barn. They're at a riding school and you see someone walking with a rope around their arm and you could go about your your business and you got a busy day to get in your car and drive away or you could stop and go and tell that new beginner person that look you could have your arm ripped out or just the scary stories that maybe they don't know yet so mm. i started to do safety on the ground and from safety on the ground if you, well the, this is what i say if you don't do your safety on the ground you're gonna end up doing first aid so let's say a wound that is common is uh, a horse will open a, a gash on their shoulder well, that always happens. I mean, not always, but usually happens from the horse catching himself on the gate. So how many times do we see a horse rushing the gate that, you know, we just sort of let it slide? So I thought, let's do safety on the ground course and let's see if anyone's interested. So everyone else at the barn is going to teach you how to ride, but I teach safety on the ground. So it started one student at a time with uh, my pony and I had a miniature horse and just started collecting little handfuls of clients and started getting known for it that you want yourself to be safe on the ground or you have horse, not to train the horse, but to teach you how to handle when your horse does make a mistake or your horse does go into the panic zone, I call it, or the survival <laughs> zone where they, they can run or kick. Uh, so what can we do in that situation? So to prevent accidents and to earn money, I started teaching in my area, which is lucky for me, uh, very special. It's, we have 5,000 horses for a very small population. So it's all, uh, show horses, sport horses. And I was able to get a reputation in my town for being the safety girl. So that's why I would go to riding camps or riding schools or wherever and just basically help you your staff your students to do all of the lessons on the ground how to tie your horse and do things safely so you're going to prevent the accidents from there i saw that equine first aid did exist i can't take credit for coming up with the idea of equine first aid because i didn't invent it there's a program that i got certified from and from there, sort of just kept going with uh, their little program that they offered was covering bandaging. And what I saw a need for was colic and founder knowledge, which is probably the reasons why we see the most horse death, because the owners will decide to euthanize their horse. It's an extremely painful condition. Having a colic on your horse could mean it's a death sentence for your horse. Or a founder issue, same thing, it's extreme pain in the hooves. So this could be something that you might make a decision to euthanize your horse. And many times that was a decision I saw being made by owners they knew. And I decided to make my course 
more user-friendly, like you said, uh, let's take the science out of it. Let's not scare people away by big terminologies and boring them, really. I mean, to be honest, with books and it could be, go on for days talking about colic, really. To make it simple, that they could understand how to prevent colic. And that's where I thought my need was bigger. So bandaging was sort of what inspired it. But from there, I really took it to heart about the colic and the founder. I'm sure I must have hammered you with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that's the most urgent part is the colic and founder. Then we'll go from there where the person is at, how much they know. But to keep it as simple as possible so that when you're at the barn now, and a new, they'll, you might call yourself new, but you're actually experienced to somebody who's just arriving tomorrow. So mm-hmm. then you can pass that knowledge on easily. They don't even need to take my course, although they're welcome to. But uh, something that you could share easily and say, look, a few points that I got from the course is no sugar for horses. Uh, they can't vomit. <laughs> um, simple stuff that you're easily going to pass on to the next person, mm-hmm. even if they're like eight years old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have horse owners that are eight years old, 12 years old, 15 years old. So they are owners. And uh, so they need to know. And if we bombard them with too much scientific stuff about it, um, if they're interested, great. But it doesn't share well is what I realized. So people are busy. That's the other thing. So you can't just take their whole day away. Even six hours, if you can put that aside, it's it's hard for horse owners to do that. Right. Try to keep it simple, easy for them to follow, and uh, easy to pass on. And then if they're interested after level one, then they can advance to level two. They can learn bigger wounds, fractures, and fatal situations, mm-hmm. rescue scenarios. So that goes a little bit more advanced. And then... Something that's really passionate subject for me is fire safety and evacuation. So once somebody's past level two, probably have a lot more invested now that they've learned so much. So they're saying, let's let's go into how to evacuate horses and fire safety and mm. go a little bit further. So there's something for everybody, I hope. Yeah, for sure. So it almost sounds like you have a spidey sense for filling the need. I think so because yeah uh, yeah you know what it has a lot to do with where I was and going and working around at the places and just seeing the same thing over and over again and uh, deciding like I'm gonna I'm gonna fill this niche I, I call it like a niche market or something uh, because there's plenty of jobs to do stalls and turn horses out if if you wanted to but. The reason why there were so many of those jobs is because the staff were not trained. So that's sort of, a, I guess, a, a wanting to earn more for the same job and also wanting to fill the need, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shifting gears a little bit, how does intuition come to you? Intuition for me, do you mean in regards to horses? I could definitely say. Uh, in regards to anything. Anything. Well, intuition comes to me definitely as a a feeling or a thought in my own mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say a voice. I don't want to sound crazy, but uh, it can be a voice. There is no crazy on this podcast. <laughs> a little idea. Uh, when it came for the first aid, uh, I think it was a few years that I didn't listen to my intuition. And then eventually the voice gets louder and louder and louder until you're like, well, 
if I keep thinking about this and I keep dreaming that I'm going to make a course and I keep dreaming that I'm going to write a book, well, then why don't, when, why don't I do it? Right. And so it starts with a uh, persistent uh, nagging from within. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if I listen to it soon enough, uh, then the nagging goes away. But with horses, you definitely got to listen right away because that'll be the difference between uh, an accident sometimes or uh, just a sense. You just have this feeling that, like, you shouldn't go out to dinner tonight right. because horses are going to do something and you, you just have that feeling. So then you, in horses, intuition is definitely uh, a skill you need. need. It, it doesn't just benefit you. It's kind of like something that you got to listen to. I would say horses, kids, driving, you know, I I think it's a skill you need in life. And I mean, not all situations are life-threatening, like your nagging book and your nagging course. But I would assume that the time that you spent not listening was more or less fun or more or less work or like can you describe that time period of when it was nagging at you how did it go uh yeah definitely uh, it it went like less glamorous than i'd probably like to think to, to explain it to you but no, i'll no. be honest yeah looking after horses uh, you like you know there it's it can be a dirty job yeah. you know you're, you're in the in the mud you're in the snow waist deep snow sometimes yeah. Uh, with horses jumping mm. up and down next to you, risking your life, really risking your life sometimes just to walk the horse from back. And not all horses. This is just in, in the industries I work in. Some of the horses are tend to have a lot of energy. They're athletic and they're very valuable, too. So the owners are going to give you a hard time if they're broken in any way. So you better be on point. So uh, working in that environment all the time made it that I sort of turned to myself, I think, at one point and said, like, how long are you going to keep doing it? Like, you, you know, you got to be next to horses, but is this where you're best served? You know, where you're like um, doing the work or teaching. I knew that I was I'm going to help more horses by teaching people how to handle the horses, how to feed them properly and how to look after them rather than me myself trying to earn a living looking after working at individual barns. Right. So it became uh, that I just felt that I was outgrowing it. I needed to sort of be become more of an adult <laughs> right. and offer my thought. I, I knew too much. Uh, so sometimes if I would be hired at a place, I knew more than they did. So I felt, well, of course you got to listen to your boss but at the same time they need to listen to me I felt a bit Mm -hmm. (laughs) so eventually I said uh, that's it no more uh, no more doing stalls like that's it I'm only going to offer the course I'm only going to offer ground ground safety and that's very risky because that it's like what paid the bills before is it going it's a question mark is this going to pay the bills right but slowly gathering the clients and uh, you start to make more and you start to have more and you start to realize like yeah I, I did the right thing but at first it's pretty scary yeah so that's probably why I didn't listen I, uh, especially with the first aid it's expensive to get your certification so it was a big investment for me and uh, it, that kept me back for a while you know you sort of drag your feet you say how long until I spend the money on myself instead of the things around me like my kids or my animals and yeah 
Yeah. And you finally say, oh, you know what? I'm going to not pay the internet bill and I'm going no, to, <laughs> but you do, you do, you make a sacrifice, say, look, I'm not going to have this this month. I'm going to spend it on this and for myself instead. And at least to get myself the courage and the confidence to teach because I had never taught a big group of people before. I only had taught one-on-one or two okay. people at a time. And, yeah. and when I first started teaching, it was 12 people at a time. And that was quite a big change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then once you do it and you successfully do it, you're like, thank goodness I listened to myself. And I really do look back on myself now like I should have did it sooner. Right. So maybe, maybe it's a story of not listening right away, but I eventually did. But see, we all have those stories <laughs> and that's why it's important. And that's why I asked you this question. We all have <laughs> these stories. We all do. And yet when you come out the other side, like you say, like I'm full body goosebumps. When you come out the other side and you go, oh, geez, this wasn't that bad. Like, look, oh, my goodness. Look at what I accomplished. Like the various avenues that get fulfilled from listening to your intuition, whether it's gathering new skills or realizing you could or self-confidence, like whatever it is. I always think it's really interesting when people share the stories of when they didn't because we all have those stories. So I appreciate it. Yes, and uh, I'm really glad I did. I got to say, I, I I feel I'm good. I'm really great at what I do. And I'm, you know, so surprised that I let myself go that long without uh, telling myself, hey, I could do it. But that's also where I did a lot of learning, too. So I kind of look at the, all of the barns I worked at as a, a university degree of some sort. Yes. <laughs> I did my time, but I also, uh, I had to have some courage. You know, this, this industry is the type where people will tell you a lot of what you can't do. Yes. It really is. People will say, oh, well, you can't do this. And no, that's not allowed. And it makes you think that, you know, you, unless you have got millions of dollars that you'll never make it. Right. Mm-hmm. And definitely, I believed that for a long time. And I was not the, t- the person who was bought horse. You know, my horse was given to my first horse was given to me by someone I worked for. The next one was also, uh, I think it was $5 horse. And then, uh, yeah, I think the most expensive one was $5, but because they were given, right? But yes. some people, they'll start in the industry with five, six horses, and you get experience either way. Exactly. But different for me. <laughs> well, and you bring up a really good point, too, because I've had another podcast guest say that there is no ramifications for not listening to your intuition. And I'm just going to highlight what you said earlier there about how the time that you were saying, no, I'm not ready yet. No, I'm not ready yet. I know that's the thing I need to do. You continued your learning and actually growing your resource base full of stories because of the different barns that you worked at. And so that added to your base of knowledge to bring to your business, as well as probably added to your reputation in that time, right? Yeah, definitely. I was, I stayed busy. I definitely stayed busy. There's no shortage of work in this industry. Like you could definitely have a job, quit one barn and go find another one. It's that type of industry. But at the same time, I sort of got tired of seeing the same mistakes all the time and the same things. So when I started safety on the ground, it was actually after uh, an accident that I saw where a child broke his arm. That was Really, now that I'm thinking about it, because you're making me remember, 
that's what really changed me was I had to follow him to the hospital and I had to help him hold his arm while they replaced it. And Mm. poor little guy was only five or six years old and uh, looking at me like, what have you guys done to me? (laughs) Like, why did I, why did I ever ride a horse? And a lot of the young people, they don't know how dangerous horses can be. Right. And I remember this, the place I was teaching at, I was giving little beginner lessons and they said, no, Nicole, don't be so traumatized. This is happening all the time. And that turned my stomach. I didn't like that. I don't like to hear that kids can hurt themselves all the time. And I know it's a true, yes, it's a high risk sport, but I said, no, not that one, not that type of injury. That one was preventable. So I got to do something about that now. For a long time, you think, oh, well, I'm not the one who should tell people what to do. Everyone has more experience than me. I should not tell people what to do. But if I don't tell people what to do, they're going to do the same accident that I saw at another place. Bad accidents, too, that should we should talk about them, but what I always say in my class is like, we're all great lawyers for our horses and we, we don't ever want to make them look bad, you know, so we mm-hmm. never don't talk about these tragic accidents that happen. And when I do my children's classes, I start off with telling them, did you know a horse can, could hurt you or kill you? And that shocks the parents and shocks the kids a little bit at first, but it's a fact that they should know that they're getting on a dangerous animal. It's not just a pony ride, right? So right. They, they have a right to know. Uh, change my philosophy to stop caring about what people think, because this is the type of industry as well where you'll have, you know, $500 coats and $500 pants and $1,000 boots, and you might be intimidated to tell that person with all that equipment and expensive horse hey you know what you're really putting your horse at risk right now you could hurt your horse or yourself by what you're doing uh there's this huge intimidation don't tell them what to do you're below them maybe and i had to overcome that too so those are just the side things and now it's at the point where you know i I'll go somewhere to teach, let's say, a fire safety course and a beautiful barn. Of course, I love to be invited to a Spruce Meadows type place, you know, rolling hills and white fences. But if the horses don't go outside, I will tell them, look, that's not okay. You know, your horses have a a right to have turnout, to be outside and work towards them having some time outside. It's actually a law in Quebec now. Good. Yeah, and it surprises owners, you know? You have the guts to tell me that on my estate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, yes, I do have the guts now to tell you on your wonderful estate that I think your horses, even if they're imported from Germany or imported from Holland or wherever, they should be able to go outside and, uh, and live a horse life at least for four hours a day or work towards it, right? But it's, it was very intimidating to decide that I'm going to start being that voice. And uh, now I am. And now I say it loud and proud. And if someone is not okay with it, well, then that's probably not the place that's going to want to hire me. Right. <laughs> that's the way I look at it. <laughs> right. Being true to yourself, you're attracting the people who are going to listen anyways. So that's lovely. Yes. So many wonderful people have come to me since... I started teaching and since I actually became like a business online, I'm, I'm meeting people all over Canada, even in France and Belgium, uh, people who are like-minded, who have the philosophy that I have. And then if we do get together an in-person class, it's it's actually really beautiful to see how they all make friends with each other and they stay friends with each other. And they these ladies became good friends because of my course. Right. And that's because they're all like-minded people that are looking for the 
the bien-être or the I'm trying to think of a word in English for well-being. that. Well-being. The well-being, the well yes, yes, for their horses. Yeah. So that's it's important. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much today about about what you do, first of all, and also how you got there, because it's important to see the evolution and then have the rewards. Like you just described beautiful rewards to listening to your intuition, because now you're making connections all over the world and you're connecting other people. So that to me is fantastic. So thank you so much. It's so fun. And, you know, even like, I think, look, you, we were supposed to spend four hours. We spent six. I know. Because, we, because we, that's, you, you will find people that you connect with now. And I, I love that. Hey, I love my friends that I had for 30 years that I call them civilians, non-horse people. Yes. <laughs> I love them too. But uh, there's something that I can connect with about a horse owner or a horse lover or a horse enthusiast that no matter what, we have a different type of connection. So uh, it made it that I realized that I got I got unlimited friends around the world if I need them. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful con- so community. Things up, definitely. Good. Well, and I'm really glad that you did offer things online and still offer things online or else I wouldn't have been able to take the course. And we'll include all that in your bio so that people can find you if they're interested. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I look forward to meeting anyone who is, who's got that t- type of mind to learn. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right, Nicole. Until next time. All right. We'll stay in touch. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for giving us your time today. We truly appreciate our guests for sharing their stories and insights about how intuition has impacted their lives. And I'm so grateful for Peter Trainer for his time in giving me this original music. It's now your turn. It's your turn to listen and act on your own intuition and help make the world a better place. Until next time, keep seeing, being, knowing, and doing. If you like this podcast, please share it. If you want to find others like it, go to www.healingvitality.ca or wherever you would find your podcasts. We would love to have you join us on this journey. Come be a crow sitting in the tree. Be part of our community.